0: All right, welcome everybody to this episode of O365A. Uh, on tonight's episode, we're joined by Microsoft MVP and Plurisite content creator, Vlad Uh Welcome, Vlad. Um, we're here to talk Microsoft Ignite and Microsoft Teams. And uh, I guess I, I, after all that practice, butchered your last name a little bit. Sorry about that.
1: Uh, No problem at all. I'm so happy to be here. And yeah, it's just funny because, you know, we practice it right before. But the more you practice it, the funner it ends up being at the end after you say. It (laughs) It always happens like that. So, uh, but no, super excited to be here. Ignite just happened. So lots of stuff to
0: talk about. And I know you have some uh, important uh, new announcements about Microsoft exams too, so we'll get to that. But uh, let's start with Microsoft Ignite. I think you were there in person. Um, you uh, were involved in, in Microsoft Teams, uh, working the booth and some of those announcements. Can you tell us just high level what your uh, experience was with Ignite and some of the important announcements that were made? Sure,
1: so Ignite was way better than last year, first of all. I know so many people went there last year just expecting it would be the same old Ignite with 30,000 people, uh, parties every night, huge expo hall and all of that, and we're disappointed. Uh, This year, it's still not the Ignite we know and love, right, from Orlando, from Atlanta, but uh they fixed a lot of the things that went wrong last year so it was still pretty small it was three to four thousand people it was in a brand new conference center that opened uh, this year so it's still in seattle but in a different conference center so everything was so modern everything was uh, brand new so that was really fun uh of course, in order to keep the Ignite tradition alive, the food was really bad, so that did not change. <laughs> uh, so that, that I mean, we, we went back to previous Ignite, so that was perfect. Uh, but uh, lots of Microsoft presence this year, which was uh, the most exciting part for me, whereas last year you felt like Microsoft was not at the show, even Satya did the keynote from Redmond, didn't want to drive the 40 minutes to make it to Seattle to do the keynote live. This time, everybody was live. Uh, There was Microsoft people at every booth. It was Amazing! Only at the Teams, but because I was an expert there, we always had six or seven experts there just waiting to answer questions. Uh, We had Copilot on, we had like six surfaces and we had Copilot on each one of them. Full license, full everything. Anybody that wanted to play with it could just go play with Copilot. And uh, people, of course, asked a bunch of weird questions like, hey, are you Terminator? Are you here to to exterminate us? But uh, whatever you want, it to do, you had the chance to get hands on, so uh, that was pretty, pretty cool.
2: But yeah, so many news, yeah, yeah. I think, um, uh, I think one of the big ones, um, we saw from Jeff Teeper post was the SharePoint premium, um, announcement, right? At Ignite, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts around that and how that experience is going to be, you know, um. I guess not absorbed, but uh, you know, assumed by organizations and stuff like that. Like how do you think they're going to feel about that? Sure, so when we think at it,
1: SharePoint Premium is nothing new, right? It's just a rebrand. All of the stuff in SharePoint Premium before existed as Microsoft syntax, so. Uh, Kind of two years ago, Microsoft said, hey, we kind of need to add premium experiences to content, infuse it with AI. They called it SharePoint Syntax. And then they're like, hey, you know what? This is more than SharePoint. They called it Microsoft Syntax. And with the, I feel like 100 licenses that Microsoft released in the past 18 months, everybody got confused. So now it's back to, well, it's back to SharePoint and it's called SharePoint Premium. I think the functionality is awesome right because a lot of it is for it pros like me so many reports we've got a bunch of reports especially the data access governance reports that allow you to look at content that's over shared amazing for the new ai push we're gonna get now with copilot because as we all know copilot only has access to the same data that's the user has access. But if you shared everything with everybody, well, the user has access to everything. So a lot of this stuff will help organizations get AI ready before maybe purchasing that copilot license. As to how organizations will adopt it, I mean, if it was included with SharePoint, it would have been the biggest and most fun use since ever. But because it's a premium license, Uh, I think we'll have to wait and see a bit, because uh, to add a bit more complexity around it, because we all know if it was easy, we wouldn't be paid as much. Uh, SharePoint Premium will be kind of a hybrid license, right? Where a part of the features will be per user per month, and a part of them will be pay as you go. So a lot of the admin features that is currently the Microsoft Syntax SharePoint Advanced Management License, Oh, man, I'm happy they renamed it. Uh, That will still be a pay-per-user-per-month. But all of the stuff like backup, uh, archiving, content processing will be pay-as-you-go. So even if two organizations have SharePoint Premium, they might not have the the same SharePoint Premium, depending if they're admin-enabled pay-as-you-go or not. But I do think it will be popular. I don't think it will be Teams Premium popular, at least in the near future. Uh, but I do think it's uh, really cool stuff that Microsoft is doing. And I have to say, I'm a bit scared for some third-party backup vendors there with the uh, new archiving and M365 backup functionality for SharePoint, OneDrive Exchange. Is it? Is everybody from uh, Veeam, afpoint Point going to leave right away? No, of course not. They still have years of uh, innovation before Microsoft can catch up but for a lot of small businesses when you look at do I go Microsoft or do I go with a third-party vendor you'd rather just add a few dollars per month with Microsoft and only have one invoice and keep everything there so uh, yeah it's going to be an exciting 2024 once those features actually get released
2: right now that's cool
1: but I have to say, Habib, as a Teams expert yourself, I didn't expect the first question to be about SharePoint. I love it.
2: <laughs> I would have learned my SharePoint I one instead Blake, of uh, a lot. So I figured <laughs> that SharePoint would be the first one. I mean, I'm I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. SharePoint
1: is right here in my heart.
0: What uh, Vlad? What um, what was probably the number one question you got asked about while you were in the booth? That's always a
1: I mean, of course, Copilot. Uh, a, a lot of the questions, unfortunately, were a bit around, uh, "What can we get Copilot if we're under 300 users?" So that was that was the top question, and of course, I would say, "You see the Microsoft person over there? Go ask them," because <laughs> I couldn't. I, I don't even know the answers uh, to that. So I know they're working on it, but there is no clear answer. Uh, I think most of the other questions were around Teams Premium. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of questions about Teams Premium, especially the Intelligent Recap. A lot of people were excited about the Intelligent Recap. So even if you don't have Copilot, you can still get that AI-powered Intelligent Recap. So a lot, a lot of excitement around that. Surprisingly, not that many people questions around copilot you know as mvps we don't have access to it yet so that was one of my first chances to actually play with it in person and i got there at like 7 a.m when they opened the doors for experts so i could spend like three hours playing with it just in case i have any tough questions but everybody was just happy with like the kind of hey let me try a few things okay this is cool but nobody really went deep in it. I was I was both surprised and disappointed by that because that's the first thing I wanted to do. But yeah, Teams Premium, super, super popular. So uh, I think that will be, uh, that's the next thing
0: companies will buy. Well, Vlad, that, that's interesting about the Copilot. Uh, not many people went deep on it, but uh, I haven't really used the uh, Copilot in Teams experience either. What was your overall impression of it using it? So, my overall
1: impression is that, you know, we call it co-pilot in teams, but you actually have like 10 different copilots in teams that you access differently. So, it's, it's really special like to try and understand all of them because you have a Copilot, for example, uh, one of them that got announced, I forgot the official name, Uh, let me find it here. The Copilot composing teams and channels where you have to type a message and then you click the Copilot button and then uh, probably say, hey, help me make this more professional, help me make this more concise, for example. You have a Copilot for meetings that you have to go in the meeting recap, you click on Copilot, you ask it questions. You have a copilot for group chats that appears when you go to a group chat and then you can ask it different questions. You have a copilot. for example, one of the things they announced that was co-pilot in Teams channels. That was one of them that after like 30 minutes of trying, I couldn't figure out where it is. And you can't only go to a channel. You have to go, you know, with the new Teams, you can actually be inside of a conversation like you're... Inside of the convo, not in the channel, where you go see more, and it kind of brings you to a dedicated window for that convo. That's only then that copilot for channels appears. So, I loved it, but it took me a good amount of time to wrap my head out all the different copilots that they are and how they are so different a bit on what you can do with them. When do you click the button? Like, for the first few times when I was going on the Copilot Compose to make my text look better, I was clicking on the button before typing a message. And then it was like, no, Vlad, doesn't work like that. You got to type the message first and then I can make it better for you. But I'm not going to write the message for you right away, which is kind of what I expected based on the Outlook Copilot that you can actually make it craft a reply and things like that. So, uh, lots of copilots that people are going to need to get used to and i think it'll be a big ramp up for users to get used to how do they make the most out of all the different copilots and which ones they like which one they're they're not going to care about
0: one of the things that seemed appealing, uh, the co-pilot and Teams channels is we all drink from the fire hose every day, the ability to ask it questions in terms of, you know, show me a summary of key information or tasks that were highlighted for me. Um, once you found that, that co-pilot experience, did it sort of fulfill that promise? So I think it did. But the thing is, so
1: the way that I think at it, what I would have loved it to be is that I go to a channel... And if I missed 10 different conversation, that it summarizes all 10 for me, not that I have to go into each conversation and have a summary there the way that it is now. So I would have liked to say, OK, hey, I missed 10 conversations. They all have 50 messages. Recap all that channel for me, what I missed, not go into this big conversation and recap this specific conversation. So. Uh, like you said, I think I had too much of high expectations for that one yet. And I, I think that it will eventually get there, but it's not there yet. So that was a bit of a letdown in terms of expectations versus reality. What it does, it does really well. I just wish that the initial, you know, the initial what it does was a bit bigger than uh, what it's limited to now.
0: It's almost like co-pilot for your activity feed, right? Like being able to like ask questions around all the stuff that you missed, all the unread messages. Technically that's
1: Microsoft 365 chat. So Microsoft 365 chat technically can do that for all of your M365 digital estate, whether it's Outlook, whether it's uh, chat, uh, and all of those. So uh, yeah, I guess, M three sixty five chat is where you would go if you just want everything and not only a channel. But again, under the, under talking the about so many copilots that you gotta yes. know what copilot to go to depending on what you wanna get.
0: We need a copilot to manage the copilots. <laughs> well, that Microsoft three sixty five chat, like that, looks at your Outlook messages, your chat messages, and your file data, right? So, yeah, when you're playing with that, did it give you options to like just give you a recap of your missed messages from a Teams point of view, or was it you had to kind of prompt it first or did, it? Like, so how did that? So because we were
1: in a sandbox environment that was kind of pre-made by Microsoft, I did not have any Teams messages. So I didn't get a chance to play around with like missed messages, things like that. But for summarizing data in files, I found that it did a pretty good job. It also highlighted for me a bit of the importance of how important your data is and how important your taxonomy is. Because, so, if you make a spelling mistake in a word in English, no problem, it will understand you. But sometimes I was not looking at the keyboard and, you know, Fabricam, the famous, not as famous as Contoso, but as almost as famous Microsoft company, and I kept typing Fabricam with an N instead of an M. And a lot of times was like, I don't know what you're talking about Vlad, because it's a proper noun. It did not necessarily associate it. but maybe if I had Viva topics and I added as a synonym, or maybe if a lot of people did the search before, it would have done it. But still, that's where a lot of the taxonomy, a lot of your Viva topics integration might make it better in the future. But overall, did a really, really good job on summarizing information, continuing that chat. Uh, but something I realized is that once you kind of break it, once, uh, once you ask it a bunch of questions that it doesn't know the answer to, it kind of gives up on you. And it just says, uh, hey Vlad, I don't have the answer to this information. Even if the question is valid after, you need to restart that chat and kind of type new chat to reset it. Uh, also something interesting I found with new chat. So I, I thought it would be a bit different, but it makes a lot of sense once you play with it. By default, M365 chat does not connect to the web, right? It only connects to your company data, unless an admin configures it to also connect to the web. So it can only answer things about your company's data, yeah. not anything else. Uh, and sometimes it will start typing things which is really funny if you ask it about things that are not in your company estate it will start typing some things and then midway it will kind of delete the message and says nope i cannot answer you on that (laughs) but you can see it typing you can see the message appearing and then midway is like nope probably hits a safety mechanism or something in the back and is like you know what i never typed this You've never. You didn't have time to screenshot it. Nope. I cannot answer you on that flight. I'm sorry. But no, it's been it's been a lot better than I expected. To be honest, of course, I was in a demo environment prepared by Microsoft, but I tried other stuff that was not like say, in our expert demo list, and it did a really really good job.
0: Uh, quick question. Talking about you know, it's very uh, explicit when it says, "Look, I don't know." Um, have you ever experienced the situation where it hallucinates at all uh, on your data? I,
1: not for me, but again, I was in a Microsoft provided environment yeah. where we had information about one company and I had no idea where the files were. So I didn't really have time to l- open up the file and then ask it questions side by side. So uh, everything seemed to make sense, but I cannot tell you that uh, for sure.
0: Yeah, I was just interested because of course one of the problems with AI tools in general and Habib and I experienced this in the session we did at uh, Quest Tech. Um, you have to be very explicit in your prompts and tell it exactly what you want or there's room for it to create things, yeah. right? So I was interested if that was a an experience in Copilot. No,
1: I did not. Ex- I, I mean there was nothing that was like completely off to the point where it made me like, wait a minute. So everything seemed right. But I did not go into data and do a proper comparison to know at 100%. That yeah, makes sense.
2: So, Vlad, just maybe I just want to switch gears a little bit. I know everything, mostly everything at Ignite was about AI and Copilot pilot and whatnot. I, well, um, I have my very, clippy. I have well, my clippy yeah. sweater here. Uh, yes. Old school AI. <laughs> <laughs> um was there any any specific like announcements or or things around like the immersive collaboration like Microsoft Mesh and Meta? Was there any like Meta stations that you could try that? Or um, what was the, is the HoloLens that kind of stuff? Was there any any like booths and, and whatnot around that? Yes, yeah, so uh,
1: there is nothing HoloLens that I've seen. So I didn't see anything HoloLens, but Meta, So uh, at my station, at the team station, we had one laptop that was on mesh, but we didn't have like a visor or anything like that. But two floors down, there was actually a meta boot outside of the export hall, and they had all of the headsets and everything. And it was really funny because we were in the same meeting. So they were inside of the meeting with the headsets on, And we're like the low-budget meeting at the Teams booth without the headset on. So uh, we could only move around in 2D. So uh, that's definitely big. I'm still, I don't know about you, but I don't see, uh, maybe I'll have to have a client that has it and then I'll see the value right away. But for me, like meetings that we're having right now, where I see your as everything, are so much more valuable than being inside a 3D world where I, I can't see when I say something and Habib's looking at like me like, did Vlad just say that with like weird, with a weird face? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that excited about it. I'm sure there's going to be use cases and people are going to find interesting ways to do it, and I know that at the boot, one of the things they said, kind of, you have the spatial audio, right? Where you can have four conversations going on at the same time, and then you can move to another conversation, things like that. But I don't know, I'm a big fan of in-person events. I don't think that having that in virtual will necessarily make people excited. So, uh, yeah, so it's live now. Well, it's public preview now, it'll be GA in January, whoever wants to try it will be able to try it and make up your own mind. But as much as it's cool technically, it's not something I'm excited about. I don't know about you guys if you're excited about it, but for me, it's not something that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to use it.
2: Yeah, I think it's more like what you said, like being able to have like that sort of spatial audio where, you know, if you try to do that with like teams, you've got to create like breakout rooms to have like people go in and have specific conversation, which kind of gets a little bit messy when you're doing that, whereas opposed to if you have this like, Experience where I could, you know, walk over here and I can just be part of this conversation. Okay, well, it's not really interesting. Then I can just leave and go see what other people are talking about there. That's kind of where I see the value, and it's cool. But again, I'm not sure where and when you would use it, unless you know you're providing or your organization is, you know, strictly only doing like virtual like type events for your inside your work right? Yeah, but does a virtual happy hour sound fun to you? It
1: does. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing I I would I don't know. I'm 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 such a I like in person events. I yes, still go absolutely. to in-person events. Yeah. I, I know that if ignite if I was gonna be at Ignite virtual, I would have maybe done the keynote while doing something else. I would have not listened to any of that recession. So maybe everybody's different, right? For some people yeah. that don't like being in person and things like that, they will absolutely love it. But for me right now, it's like, I don't know, I'm I'm waiting for somebody to like to use it at a client where they have a really cool use case and then a light bulb will go on and then I'll be super excited. And I hope to have that, but right now for me that that light bulb is uh, really dead.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think Vlad, we've all, all experienced the same thing. I've yet to see a really innovative way to use that inside An organization um so yeah waiting for that light bulb too
1: (laughs) hopefully we'll know ga in january so looking forward to uh, all the crazy way people will use it it's just around the corner
0: yeah all right well there was tons of uh announcements right across the whole spectrum of ignite and we'll we'll post a link to just the Microsoft team stuff in the blog post that'll accompany this, but let's shift gears uh, for a minute and jump to exams. Cause I know you have some uh, important updates about some changes to some exams.
1: Sure, so I shared my screen over here because I feel like it it has a bit more impact when we we look at it. And uh, for those of you that are listening to this as a podcast, uh, well, you're just gonna have to imagine it, close your eyes and just imagine a slide uh, with uh, about 16 different certification exams on it. Not exactly, but somewhere around there. And those are the certification exams that we had Q1 of this year. So, and this is for modern workplace. So, Microsoft 365, Windows, all of this stuff. We had a ton of certifications. So, if you wanted to learn, get certified, a ton of options. And this year, I feel like Microsoft Learn went on a mission uh, because from this, we went to this only. So, uh, we lost more than 50% of certifications. And Some of them, don't get me wrong, Uh, I can understand why, right? So for example, uh, one of the certifications we had, and I'll just go back to the uh, previous slide here, like the uh, MS-740 troubleshooting Microsoft Teams, I did it and Uh, It it was the same thing as the MS700, but instead of asking you how to configure stuff, it would ask you how to troubleshoot stuff. So if you know how to configure it, you know how to troubleshoot it most of the time. It didn't have any added value, but some of them, for example, all the the messaging administrator associate, which is one that you can only take until the end of the year, which is all of the Microsoft official learning and exam for Microsoft Exchange. Microsoft said, hey, people don't need that anymore. I don't know about you guys, but every company I go to still has email today. I mean, I know Yammer tried to kill email, Teams tried to kill email, everybody wants to kill email, but uh, my inbox still beeps. Uh, every hour with new emails. So it's just so very surprising to see Microsoft kill so many exams or the MS600 uh, building apps for Microsoft 365. I know I think we're all IT pros here right on the call. We all come from an IT pro background. So we agree that the only thing devs do, they break things uh, rather mm-hmm. than build cool stuff. So they keep breaking things and everything, but still, I, there is a need for companies to customize Microsoft 365, to create apps on top of Teams and things like that. So them killing the certification also kills off the Microsoft official course. So if anybody wants to go get, to get trained on Exchange or on Teams development, Microsoft doesn't have any official course that people can go to a learning partner and take. and. As much as the exam breaks my heart, the fact that people won't be able to get trained is even worse for me. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean the big announcement I was going to make, but with, before talking about all of it, is that the MS two o three one is going away. Right. So uh, in December two thousand uh, December of this year. Or so in a month and eleven days from now. Wow, it's so fast. Uh, people won't be able to take the Microsoft 365 messaging exam anymore. And uh, if you're a Microsoft partner, the MS600 will also go away as an option as well. So, uh, yeah, if you want to get Microsoft 365 certified, you better love Teams uh, because that's one of the few uh, few ones left, and I know it's good for the audience of this podcast because everybody here loves Teams. Uh, but no more SharePoint, no more Exchange, uh, no more M three sixty five security. events. so, uh, quite crazy.
0: Uh, that's really interesting, Vlad. I didn't know the scope of it of those changes until you uh, you presented it. Do you think any of this has to do with their announcement of I think it's the uh, Microsoft Applied Skills Initiative? So that's really interesting. So you you do bring out a really good point. And uh,
1: for those of you that don't know what applied skills are, a 30-second kind of elevator pitch, it, instead of it being like an exam scenario where you go in, you have a bunch of questions, and you have to pick the right choice, applied skill, you basically go in a virtual machine, you have a fake email that says, hey, we need you to build this. And that's it you go and build it and at the end you have like two hours to do it you click on submit you close your eyes uh, for like two minutes and then you see if you did a good job or did a bad job but it's purely practical no theory you're given a mission and then after that you have to do it and i don't know how they do it in the back to evaluate you for some of those but the magic happens and then they tell you if you passed or failed so Back to your question, does it have to do with it? I think it has to do partly with it, but we haven't had any applied skills for modern workplace announced. So uh, I hope we're going to get some of them, but today they kind of killed off all the exams this year, but did not announce anything new. I, I do think that a lot of it maybe has to do with licensing, right? Because it's a bit tough to get M365 tenants, even as a trainer when you do the classes, it's not the easiest thing to get all the licenses required and the applied skills are free. So how can Microsoft do it at scale with, who knows, thousands of people trying to do that applied skill every day that each of them need their own tenant. But uh, it does look like Microsoft is investing a lot more into applied skills now. At the same time, they announced a new certification, like a full certification at Ignite around uh, Fabrics data analytics and how to uh, build, uh, how to manage all your data in Azure and all of Microsoft Fabrics. So I'm not sure if there's a clear direction yet, but for modern workplace, we kind of got rid of a lot and did not announce anything new. So that's maybe why I'm a bit
0: more sad right now than excited. They're probably gearing up for a whole bunch of co-pilot exams or something in the next year or so. Uh, there was also an announcement about uh, going towards like an open book type exam. What are your yes, so on that? that is
1: live right away, actually. And uh, uh, by the way, Liberty, that I who's the uh, Microsoft psychometrician around that, hates it when we call open books. So I have to tell you, Michael, don't call it open book or you might be in trouble. Uh, <laughs> So actually with all the associate or expert level exams starting uh, end of September, so not that long ago, you have access to Microsoft Learn throughout the exam. So uh, let's say you have a question about PowerShell and you don't know exactly what parameter because none of us remembers all the hundreds of parameters on the hundreds of commandlets. You can open up Microsoft Learn on the side, uh, search for the commandlet, and then select the correct answer, which I'm a big fan of, just because that's what we do in day-to-day life, right? Somebody tells me, hey Vlad, you gotta create the site in SharePoint. I know the commandlet is new SPO site. I don't know the 50 parameters and the value they expect by heart. So I think it brings the actual exam experience closer to real life. So big, big fan of that and you don't get any additional time added, which remember for uh, associate level exams, you get what 50 to 60 questions in 80 something minutes of actual exam time. So you don't have time to go in and uh, search for every question and try to go past the exam without knowing anything. So I feel like it's a perfect balance between bringing us to closer to -to day-to-day life, but not making the exams too easy where they're not worth anything anymore. The Applied Skills, by the way, is open book. So the Applied Skills is not proctored and it's open book. So you have it on your desktop, it's not proctored. You have access to Google, you have access to anything you want. You have access to a friend even because it's not proctored i could open it on the laptop and then because i have no idea about teams phone i'll get habib hey just do this real quick and i'll i'll pay you a starbucks after so that is not proctored which is a big difference with certification exams which are proctored Uh, actually at ignite Ah, uh, Microsoft had a uh, Microsoft Learn had a nice boot with like ten different computers, and people could do applied skills there. And I did one for fun uh, for Power Automate, and I had four people right behind my screen looking at it all along, and uh, nobody said anything. So You're
2: probably copying your answers and doing it on theirs. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not for them Uh, because I was messing around a lot with it a bit. So hopefully not for them. But hey, I I guess at the end of the day, even if you Google how to do it and you now know how to do it at the end of the day. So it validates you're able to do it uh, with the same resources you have in your day-to-day life, which is, I mentioned Google, sorry, Bing, because we all do, only
0: Bing, we never Google. What what do you think, Vlad, the um, implication of this is going to be for partners? I mean, in the past, you had to have so many certified individuals to be like a silver. I mean, I know the whole partner program has changed as well, but it seems that if I'm a customer looking for a partner to do some work, part of that was the certification process, so they kind of killed that. I
1: I still feel there's a bit of a disconnect between the Microsoft learn team and the rest of Microsoft in some aspects, Uh, the uh, partner program is a great example, right? The MS 600 exam, they retired it for public in June, but because the partner program depended on it, if you're a Microsoft partner, you can get a code to take the exam until the end of December. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, uh, other changes, for example, one of the changes they announced at Ignite was Power Virtual Agents is becoming Copilot Studio, lots of changes around that. Uh, Microsoft Learn did not update any of the certifications or did not even announce an update. Usually they announce it two, three weeks before that, hey, we'll update the certification, things like that. Did not even did an update to say, hey, we're taking off Power virtual exits from the exam because it's not a power platform anymore or whatever. So, uh, I I do think that this year uh, Microsoft Learn was a bit more disconnected from the rest of Microsoft. Uh, I do think that skilling will remain a big part of the partner requirements, uh, whether it becomes applied skill, whether it's certifications, uh, whether maybe they'll take it completely out of Microsoft Learn and uh, partner team will create their own assessments, which we know they have done in the past for some limited things where the uh, Microsoft partner program had their own internal certifications that people needed to do. Maybe they'll go that way. I don't know, but today there seems to be a big disconnect between uh, what Microsoft Learn is doing and the criteria to become a Microsoft partner. But yeah, well, will wait and see right now. Mm-hmm. But whatever right. your boss tells you to do, go go get those exams, basically.
0: <laughs> Just hopefully not the ones that are retiring.
1: <laughs> hopefully not. Well, I mean, even if they retire, right? So think that if you, if you did the MS-203 today, it will remain on your transcript forever. So if you're thinking about getting it and you don't want to kind of regret it after because you never done it, Go get that exam, it'll remain in your transcript. Yes, it will be expired, but it will remain on your transcript forever as a certification that you passed then. Will it have value for your uh, partner program? No, will it have value maybe for uh, getting hired in the future? Maybe you can show that, hey, I did pass the exchange exam in 2023, that certification doesn't exist anymore, but I did pass it back then. So even if it's something that gets retired, if you're studying for it and you feel passionate about it, still go do it and don't regret never having done it in January. Uh, that's that's what I would go for a bit.
0: Yeah, it's actually a really good point. I mean, as you, you said, uh, for the workloads that are obviously used every day, uh, such as messaging, um, you can look at it as this is your chance to get a, a valid certification in this area uh, where in after June 2024, you won't be able to do that. So.
1: Well, you you cannot, the certification stops in December, you can renew it. If you have it, you all can right. renew it one more time until June, and then it will extend it for another year. But let's be honest, at that point, if the certification will be expired anyway, you can decide if you want to renew it or not. Renewals all free, but most people will probably be like, eh, it will end up expired in the future anyway, so doesn't really yeah. matter.
0: All right. Good stuff. Well, we covered uh, Ignite, covered some important changes uh, to the exams and exam process certifications. So I want to thank you, Vlad. That was uh, highly informative, great conversation and always, always really nice talking to you.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to next time I see you in person or in Mesh. Who knows?
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody.